Help! Help! It's too gay! It's so gay here, oh my god, help! Reed! Alex! Help! Day 28, transmission number 14. The existence of the galaxy and JD's return. It had been almost a month since JD left us a bizarrely gay note, right before Alex and I recorded with Jeremy on Molly's Pub. Two days after that, while playing with my Baofeng radio, we caught what sounded like a cry for help. Could it be true? It was. The message was JD. He was crying softly, begging for mercy, and repeating, it's too gay here, over and over. He sounded so far away, and not anything like the super gay JD that left us that hastily written letter in which he came out to all of us. We cautiously downloaded Grinder, searched his profile, and found him enthusiastically looking for love in Gary, Indiana. But it was dated just one day ago. I thought to myself, is this the same man, the same JD that had an SOS message playing on repeat for the whole universe to hear? Then it hit me. No, this was not the same man. How could it be? But what could the explanation be? What events had transpired to warp reality in such a manner? We knew then that we had to consult the old texts. But how could we? And who could we trust to help us gain access to the vault that they were locked in? No sooner had we had the thought than the solution hit us. Of course, our good friend and fellow podcaster, Jeremy. He would understand our plight and see the danger that rested in a world out of balance. He also possessed knowledge of the whereabouts of the old texts. Whether or not he would risk himself to help us was another question entirely. My plan was simple. Get Jeremy into a comfortable chair and ply him with small batch bourbon until his lips loosened up. The execution was flawless, albeit more fluids than thought were required. We now had an ally, although he sounded like Statler and Waldorf from the Muppets. We sobered him up with a few bumps of fine marching powder. He made it clear the danger we faced. We were literally walking into the belly of the beast. The old text rested under lock and key, protected by fundamentalists of the highest order. To get us through the door, to even have a chance of success, would require initiation into their ranks. So. After some sordid words and a complicated handshake that left a bad taste in my mouth, he revealed our destination. The old text lay at the bottom of the elevator shaft, in the depths of the Masonic Temple. It may as well have been the moon. He relayed to me that the temple was connected to every liquor store in town through a series of tunnels. He described the passages in bleak despair, filled with rats, waste, and the remains of unworthy applicants but he saw it as our only hope for success. The next morning we set out. O'Brien's liquor store had the ideal proximity for what was most likely a suicide mission. We walked in and Jeremy gave the cashier a series of hand signals. And to my surprise, the man's head spun three times clockwise and what turned out to be a cyborg clerk lowered himself into the ground, revealing a damp winding staircase. We walked for what seemed like miles in pitch dark blackness. I just held Jeremy's pocket. He knew the way. 
Through the darkness, I could see that we were in a long passageway with a sharp turn at its end. A warm glow emanated from around the turn, light dancing on the wall opposite. We heard Jeremy's already labored breathing turn sharp with, based on the smell of his sweat, fear. We were about to encounter an unknown variable, some challenge that we had no plan for. As we slowly rounded the turn, we came upon what I can only describe as a medium-sized, scruffy, masonic genie. He was called Jathan. He spoke softly and issued this challenge. Passage through the remainder of the tunnel would only be granted if a traveler could move a great stone that he had placed in its path. He offered us chalk and trinbolone. We declined both. I stepped up to the stone, knowing if I failed to move it, that I was gay and my family was dead. With the help of my ancestors and a good diet of raw milk, we were on our way. Finally, Jeremy stopped and gestured. We were directly under the elevator. He dug into the loose dirt and pulled up something swathed in the flag of the Confederates. He opened the book, looked at me for approval, and I nodded. He began to read. He spoke words in a guttural tone with a very heavy lisp. In front of us grew a shining portal that appeared, for lack of a better term, rectal. Out of nowhere, JD, or a version of him, flew through the tunnel behind us, between us, and through the gateway to the galaxy. Then, in a moment, deposited in front of us, like so much waste, was JD, the most not-gay JD I'd ever seen. The switch was made. Our JD was back. He removed the diaper that he was wearing with no explanation, shook our hands, and said, Let's go home. <laughs>